Hello, welcome to Louder Than Words, where we talk about ideas that improve lives. I'm Jules Pretty from the University of Essex. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the show Jackie Turton and Ruth Weir. Jackie from the Department of Sociology at the University of Essex and Ruth from City University's Violence and Society Centre, also formerly of this parish that kind of language used deliberately because we're going to be talking in our discussion today about policing domestic abuse which is the title of a fantastic new book from Ruth and Jackie and two colleagues in the police about what works and why when it comes to domestic abuse what has changed in recent years and also prospects for the future. So Jackie and Ruth Warm welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's begin a bit about your work and interests. um, And in particular, uh, let's say something about the book, which is called Policing Domestic Abuse. Um, uh, Tell us a little bit about that, the background and how it came about. So I I did my PhD as Jackie was my supervisor. And um, we... And we, after I'd finished, we spoke about how we were going to write a book about this because um, obviously there's lots of material um, around domestic abuse. Um, but then I saw on Twitter um, Katie Burrow-Grint, who is Assistant Chief Constable at Thames Valley Police, she had put a call out um, about writing a book on domestic abuse, um, to which um, I, th- I said to Jackie, oh, this could be our opportunity. And she had um, teamed up with Jackie Sabir, who was Assistant Chief Constable at Bedfordshire Police, um, to write this book and said well, we'd be, it would be good to um, to have um, two police officers, both senior police officers who'd worked in this field for a long time, and then um, to team up with academics to help with that side of the book. Um, but what was quite funny is that Katie signed up to this book thinking she was writing a chapter. So um, she so Routledge contacted her about this book on uh, this chapter she thought on policing domestic abuse. Um, and then she had a real panic when she realised actually she needed to write a whole book, hence why she wanted to get Jackie um, and I involved. So apparently they had quite a big response to this call on Twitter, but Jackie and I were um, lucky enough to um, to be able to work with um, Katie and Jackie. And we had our first uh, meeting in Luton Police Station um, just before COVID um, struck. So we actually, most of the time um, writing this book was online. It was our, it was our COVID baby effect. So I think Jackie can tell you a bit more about that, about how that sort of relationship worked. So so your background, just I should say, is both as kind of criminologists, I mean, within the field of sociology. So this is your expertise, but this is the the first time that that a book on domestic abuse has been co-written by academics who know and have researched the field and practitioners who are involved in in policing um, this this area of domestic That's abuse. That's right, so. and I, I, I would just say that previously there have been books that have been um, edited, so chapters by um, people working in the field and chapters by academics, but essentially this is the first time where we've collaborated with the whole book. So whilst we all wrote certain sections that we were very familiar with. We all edited and rewrote everybody else's sections. So it's it's really a collaborative effort. Um, so I, th- I, I think this is a first in terms mm. of that. Um, and I guess my background, my research background, has always been in domestic crime, um, mostly child protection, but also um, uh, domestic violence. Um, And 
the legacy of both of these areas um, has always been problematic, understanding the issues and concerns. Um, and it's not just around the victims and perpetrators, it's around those who are working in the field and also it's around um, society itself and understanding these as problems. Mm. Because if if the sort of behaviour occurred on the street, then the response from people would be quite different. Mm, exactly. Well, I think it all immediately starts to ask in our minds questions about what happened with COVID. We'll come to that during the periods of lockdown. Yeah. We'll come to that in a moment. So um, uh, could you say a little bit about um, what we are... Tell us a little bit more about domestic abuse, domestic violence. What, what counts as as domestic abuse and violence and what's the kind of incidents at the moment um, that we're seeing in, I mean there's a book focused on the United Kingdom Great Britain United Kingdom yeah. primarily of course there'll be relevance elsewhere but tell us a bit about what do we know about this field and incidents Okay, I mean, first of all, I should say that um, we're calling it domestic abuse here, but people may refer to it as domestic violence. Um, in the States, um, intimate personal violence. So there's lots of different terminology. Um, but the Home Office um, defined domestic abuse not only as a f um, in terms of physical violence, um, but, but they've also now got um, sort of coercive and controlling emotional financial abuse. So it's it's much broader than its original um, sort of definition. Which is a good thing. Which is a good, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. And um, in terms of incidents, um, I think the statistics of like one in three women in their lifetime um, will experience abuse. Men experience it as well. Um, 80, I think it's 18% of calls to the police are for domestic abuse. In terms of volume, it's it's really big. Um, so it's just, it just in terms of prevalence, um, it's it's very wide, but we don't actually necessarily know that much about it because only the crime survey in England and Wales um, shows that only uh, about 20% of people actually report to the police. So it's although we talk about policing it, um, it may well, well be that people um, come to know about domestic abuse from other areas like health, um, through sort of charities, or people just telling their friends and family. Um, but so actually, um, the police is just just the tip of the iceberg in mm. terms of what we know about mm. it. Mm. Mm. It's already looking very complex, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah. And al also, the other thing to remember is often in cases where there's been a lot of violence, physical violence, the police are often the first responders. And so, and so actually training the police and getting the police to understand what it's all about is very important so that mm. they, at that first meeting, take a good history. Because the thing to remember, it's slightly different to other crimes, because with other crimes there tends to be one incident, uh, one victim, one, uh, one perpetrator. With domestic violence there are many incidents and often it might be two or three years, sometimes longer, if ever, that um, the victim uh, admits uh, that they've been abused. Mm. Um, a lot of abuse is hidden, so um, uh, people get bruised or battered in places that don't show, um, or they're, as, as Ruth was saying, get coercively, coercively controlled, and that is really dangerous in terms of, of, of their lifestyle and everything mm. about them. And if we're looking back over longer per periods of time, so, I don't know, decades and, and so forth, um, what what 
I know this is complicated by what people are reporting, as you were just saying, Jackie. You know, what is happening is not what we outside the system know as well. I mean, whether it's the police or institutions or researchers or others, what, what is known is not the same as what's happening in the, in the situation. Despite that difficulty, what do we know about the long-term trends of domestic abuse or, or what might we infer? Do we think things are worse now than they've been in the past or do we think it's pretty much this is something that we're understanding more about so that's why we're talking more about it and writing books? So I think um, it's very much we know we, we talk about it more now. Um, I mean, it's in the 1970s when it first went from being a private issue in the home when actually people started to say this should be something which is a public issue. Yeah. Um, but obviously that, that, didn't have, that hasn't happened overnight. 50 years um, on, people are still very much, you know, it's, people are embarrassed to mm-hmm. talk about it. But I think in terms of um, how much we hear about it in the, um, in the press, in um, how much research is now going on about it, that's definitely, um, it sort of shines more of a light on it. It, but um, I think in terms of volumes, um, I've, I've, it's the trend. You can look at the, the crime survey shows um, what's happened over, and it's and it doesn't seem to be. Um, I think violence overall is going down, but actually, if you look at it in a gendered way, you'll see that actually um, that this type of violence isn't. Yeah, and that is where women are primarily victims in this. I mean, not not solely, but that's but, when you're talking of a this is a gendered issue. Women are more likely to be victims than... Women are more likely, but yeah. we mustn't forget that, that there are other issues about being a victim of domestic violence. Um, uh, if you're a domestic... if You you can be a victim of domestic violence as a male, um, and that can be male or male or uh, female or male. Um, and we have examples of, of some of those in the, in the book. Um, you can be a victim of domestic violence, female on female. So you you need to look at that carefully. The other th- and be aware of it. Mm. The other thing is that in uh, families where they are of different um, uh, different nationalities. So if you're Asian families, they are much more tend to be much more protected about um, divulging anything in, um, uh, you know, to anyone outside. Um, And Aisha Gill has done a lot of work on that, uh, which has been really interesting. Um, It's much more difficult, perhaps, to be able to tell, to run to a refuge, to escape if it's if it's violence and and you may be more controlled, Mm. you know. So the, the coercive control, I think, is a newer version, if you like, if you want to call it that, of domestic violence. Um, In the 1970s, particularly, um, we were looking much more at um, physical violence and opening up refuges um, for escape. Uh, I don't think... uh, People knew that, that that the perpetrators could be controlling, but I don't think that coercive control was talked about in the same way. That's much more uh, up to date, and mm. much the understanding is much broader. Mm. Um, and the, just to finish on the kind of incidents of, of domestic abuse during the lockdown periods in COVID, things got pretty serious for mm. a lot of people very quickly. Mm. 
Yeah, I think what happened is obviously people were confined within within the house. Um, in terms of reporting, um, it was obviously sometimes more difficult because you couldn't leave the house to, uh, or the uh, or the perpetrator didn't leave the house. So actually, I think there was um, a delay in reporting, and they there were things like they tried. Um, Things like pharmacies would have um, certain, but you could go in there and say Safe a certain, spaces yeah, or whatever, yeah, or say a certain yeah. word. Mm. So they tried to have other ways, and like, I think there was a spike in um, in sort of social media, in sort of um, using online resources and things like that. So I think it was very much that. Actually, I think overall the levels may have been similar, but I think research um, by Catherine Hull at City found that the levels of harm increased because obviously you're in that space. Uh-huh. Um, right. confined space for yeah, longer. And, and yes, kind of no escape. Let's turn a little bit to what works and why, um, if if we can a little bit. So mm. the the book you've 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 worked closely with um, with Kate and Jacqueline, who are members of the police already and who had reached out to you as you as you said, Ruth. Um, tell us a bit about how, how you think things look from the police side of things what what are they how are they seeing um the broad area because you described these ripples jackie of the thing and then the kind of the family the community mm. is not a, it's not a kind of an an a, a single incident that you can draw a box around no. it's rippled out there but there's also cultural norms that mm. shape how people think about mm. it and how mm. they would or would not report domestic abuse or, or be even have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, how, how are the police now looking at this area? What, 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 what's your kind of assessment from having worked closely with them on, on this? I think, it's, I think it's variable across the police forces. I think that's the first thing to say. Um, I think they are all attempting, given the current climate um, of um, police uh, and reports of police being either abusers or not responding appropriately to domestic abuse. They're all trying to uh, challenge their current policies and practice. We talked a lot about this, and I think my my own view is that you need a champion. So if you've got a police force what like um, uh, Bedfordshire and Thames Valley, where you've got very senior officers who feel very determined that this has to be sorted within their police uh, police force, then actually things will change quite rapidly. Um, the problem is if you don't have that champion, you may have a champion of something else, by the way, which is equally as important, <laughs> then then that might not have the same, oh. same response. Um, and I think, so I think one of the things they're looking at really strongly, particularly you will know more about this, Ruth, than me is in, in the College of Policing, um, looking at the ways in which they're encouraging police forces to do the training. Yeah, I mean, they have... Um now I've got a whole violence against women and girls is a whole strategy for the next few years and um so it, there's it's really invested in this sort of training um and i think that things that 
I think training has been quite patchy up until now, as Jackie was saying. Mm. Um, so actually, one of the things that Jackie Sabir said about the book was that she wished that 30 years ago when she started, is that she had a book like this. That's interesting. Because um, I think when officers are coming in, they obviously have got loads of different areas to cover. Mm. Um, there just hasn't been a resource like that. So I think this is probably this is coming at a good time when obviously um, you've got criticisms of what's of happening with taking on police officers who may be abusing people themselves um so having this as a resource and um, we, we're pleased to know that that people are already been seen to read it um katie had a photo of one of her colleagues with lots of um post-it notes in the side the other day uh, and somebody from twitter had sent a picture of of reading it by the pool on holiday so it's really hopeful that actually this this type of um this book will act as a resource um but we just really hope that ev- everybody reads it and the right so you've got the right type of people in the police um mm. to deal with domestic abuse and it must be it must be, I mean, you must have thought about this a lot, but it strikes me that you're talking about um, Bedfordshire and Thames Valley Police, where you've got senior champions involved in this area. For them to know that some of their colleagues might also be perpetrators, abusers within the system, uh, just offering a bit of training or the opportunity to read a book is probably not going to deal with that as a problem. We shouldn't even pretend that. So, But yet within your cohort of staff there will be these kind of hidden secrets mm. that, that, that undermine your, your, your very approach to all of this. But then that's the nature of this problem, isn't well, it? Well, it is the nature of this problem, and that will be in every walk of life. Yeah. There will be some who will never be identified. Um, but I think with um, certain changes that are going on, uh, that maybe that if police officers in particular are discovered to be be behaving like this then something will be something will be done in a way that hasn't been done before yeah. that's that's what i hope anyway. yeah and you would and hope that, that through the college of policing that 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 can that appropriate level training can be part of a filter as well that you know if it's sending a signal saying if you're like this you're this is really not the place for you mm-hmm. you know you shouldn't you should be going kind of thing. That's a way of kind of filtering that. But I suppose an exam question, which is perhaps unknowable, I don't know, but but where there are senior champions, might one expect, stroke, hope, that they would be better at getting rid of people within their police forces we or sending yeah. signals <laughs> saying you're not welcome here yes. or we're going to come and, um, you know, well, we will find you if you're part of the perpetrator yeah class. I mean there is a, a there is a set procedure for how to deal with somebody who's been committing a crime whatever that crime is within the police force and yes one would assume that they would they would be working towards that mm. whatever mm. and I'd just like to add something that the that domestic violence is not just a police problem and so one of the other bits of the training if you like is to support and help Uh, new police recruits to understand that they're not alone in this obviously they're not alone in terms of the hierarchy of policing but but they're not alone in this in in the rest of the community because that's a whole community problem in many ways and health and social services education um, you know are all part of that the the um, community council you know the local councils are all part of thinking about this as a neighborhood crime if you like and so they should be working together 
to support this because many, as Ruth said earlier, many women do not report to the police. Um, they report to a friend, they report to um, a counsellor, they report to, I don't know, someone at school, they report to their GP. Mm. Um, so these people need to be involved with, with how best to support that victim which may not be taking the perpetrator out. Right, indeed. So in that kind of space of, of what one might call kind of broader partnerships of, of largely public agencies, I think you're, you're mentioning there, but there'll be some sort of private acting mm, agencies will, in that space, yeah, and well, charities yeah. as well, mm. acting in that space. Um, is, that, is that working? Do we, do, do, when you look at that and say, because I... I can I can imagine circumstances maybe have seen them where where one says well we've got to have all of these agencies around the table and that sort of freezes up action because there's so much time spent having kind of long discussions and meetings about what we should do that's not to say that people shouldn't work together but I'm just wondering how one can can cut through that a little bit to make sure that people are understanding the problem we're working together on this let's get on with it. I mean, the book we've 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 it's called police and domestic abuse, but it's definitely it's an active verb, yeah, yeah exactly. But it's yeah. aimed at a wider audience yeah. than just mm-hmm. as Jackie was saying than just police officers. Um, I mean, things like at the moment, data is very difficult. So if we're trying to actually understand what's going on, the police are probably one of the best um, collectors of data. But the problem is then if you're trying to commission services, so local authorities commission services. Um, when I used to work for Essex County Council, um, mainly was using police data because that was all that is around. So, um, I mean, the project I'm working on now, um, which is part of this vision consortium, so it's violence, health and society, is very much about trying to measure um, violence in a way that uh, looks at lots of different data sets. So working with health specialised services. So I think trying to like to work together, you still need to understand dif- what the data as well um, before you can actually sort of come to find solutions to sort of how to deal with that. So I think so trying to make take a more collaborative approach is definitely the way forward. Mm. The police don't want. I mean, it, I talk about only twenty percent of. Um, where people reporting to the police. The police don't want hundred percent reporting because they haven't got the resources. Mm. So um, it needs to, it definitely needs to be a coordinated um, response. And they they do that for things like high risk victims. They've got um, like MARAC mm. uh, multi agency risk assessment conferences. Um, so it sort of works around that. But I don't for a sort of small. Basically, risk is either standard, medium, or high. So the high risk will get a MARAC. But if it's a more standard risk, then there's less. Of coordination there, so I guess it's how you have more across the board. So, so one would be hoping that other agencies would be available to step into that space, capable of doing something. There to certainly are support. a lot of agencies yep. around who are dealing with domestic violence if, if they know about it, mm-hmm. um, and and that's and that's helpful. But I mean, there's never enough money, of course, mm-hmm. or resources. Mm-hmm. But but apart from that, that's good. I mean, there's huge issues of working together. I mean, huge issues. I mean, issues uh, of trust. I mean, when trust, when questions are raised about the police force itself, yeah, and trust, yeah. particularly, yeah, and and then budget constraints and other resources, yeah. and this sort of hierarchies of knowledge, you know, where where you where where somebody who might be, I don't know, assistant chief constable, and somebody who is. Um, 
um, a, junior, a, social, a junior worker. social worker or even uh, works in a charity, just goes in and childminds the children, uh, you know, uh, this this hierarchy of knowledge is, is enormous. And so, but you can't waste that local knowledge. That local knowledge is all important because that might tell you exactly what's going on in the household. Whereas the sort of academic or the or the chief constable uh, um, can't see that. Mm. So, so it needs to be a coordinated and and free flowing. And and there's been lots of writing about those those sorts of issues, particularly that from the health service point of view, because they've been doing those sorts of coordinated conferences for a long time. Yeah, mm. on on lots of mm. other areas. Yes. Mm. Well, could you just kind of explore a little bit for us then? Um, what what in a sense constitutes improvement what it what constitutes getting better in this area i mean it could be i mean all of these things but um protecting victims from from first abuse and then from continued abuse um ensuring dangerous individuals are prevented from further work it might be ensuring justice which might be kind of only a small part of something but actually for individuals might be super important um it might be investigation of offenders it might be treatment options i mean just mm. crack it there's a lot there already and it's probably <laughs> all of those things isn't it but what what tell us a little bit about how you and others and and the police themselves and coming out of the book how you, how you view um what constitutes improvement i think by having better training for police officers they can first of all give victims a much better and consistent experience when so if you if you don't um treat victims properly then a they probably never want to report to the police again um but also you know that it's it does not feel that we don't have that trust and confidence which is lacking at the moment um but also it's about holding perpetrators to account as well so mm. actually this book is very much around you know how to what to we what to do with perpetrators and what sort of interventions are there um to make sure that they don't get away with it um, and then i think by doing those two things and having that sort of actually building the confidence means hopefully access to better justice because you've dealt because you've dealt with things properly um so i think it's sort of the whole um it's not it's not just focusing on victims or perpetrators separately it's a whole sort of coordinated response just but in in this one giving people the confidence to do their job properly and then passing that on to um to victims and making sure perpetrators know that their behavior just isn't going to be tolerated mm-hmm. yeah i think that's true and i think also there has been a move a more general move to a much more victim-led approach so that uh, where you've got cases where the victim was afraid and reports to the police but then perhaps doesn't want to go further than that, then other agencies might get involved because it's it's not always the most effective thing to remove the perpetrator straight away. Um, yeah. uh, or to press towards prosecution yes. because mm. of the conflict that arises of, for from all that. sorts yeah. of reasons, mm. and I, and I, I mean, not least of which, uh, women. I'm talking particularly women here. Um, women who have been victims of domestic violence often know. Ha- have ideas about how to keep themselves safe within the home and actually confronting the perpetrator except when you know you're really in a safe space may not be the right one. Mm, mm, 
Exactly. I think the Home Office have shifted from um, to more perpetrator-focused stuff recently because they're funding a lot of um, research into what works for perpetrators. So trying to like look at whether putting people on certain interventions actually is going to make a difference. So I think what they're trying to do, obviously keep both things going, but I know that money has been directed at perpetrator um, sort of interventions recently. Mm. Mm. I was going to ask about the Home Office as a as the kind of overseer as of of policing and not all of the agencies that you've mentioned. I mean, it's kind of multiple ministries and multiple agencies at local level. But looking at the at the national leadership on this um, recognition of the problem space, recognition of the action that should be taken. What 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 do you are you are you sort of holding your breath and saying mm, some get it and some don't or I mean I think it definitely is a national priority. I mean the Home Office have, are putting a lot of resources into it, like this perpetrator program. And I know from work I'm doing now, we're meeting with the Home Office. So um, I think um, it, it has become definitely in the last few years um, a recent one. Obviously, it's a very difficult problem to solve. Um, so, I mean, I, there's obviously different variations of how and how you address it. But I know with um, the Home Office and people like the College of Policing, there definitely is a, there is a willingness to do something around it. I mean, I don't know if Jackie has a view on whether it's effective. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that one of the things or two of the things the government have done is that they have they commissioned a domestic ab- abuse new commissioner who started in 2020 was it 2020 it was just sort of the covid mm-hmm. um the covid sort of uh, moment um and so her work it would be interesting to see how her work um challenges what's what's happening um and also as you as mentioned, a voice for, for a voice victims in for particular, victims yeah. in particular mm, mm. but also on the way things are moving mm. um and the other thing is that the um strategy for um, um about violence against women and girls which is a government strategy uh, which the police have adopted and so have most other agencies then that in itself we don't know yet how that's going to pan out because that's still too new I think it kept, that came out in about 2018 but I might be wrong here you might remember better than me I'm not sure. Don't don't. I won't um, go guess the the date. But I think I think definitely the, the strategy. Domestic abuse commissioner's work um, is really important, and then her team's growing. She's recently done the stakeholder mapping exercise, looking at all the different people who are involved, and as you say, challenging the Home Office. So I think that's. Um, and I guess the domestic abuse act which was in which is also quite new so we don't really know how that's acting you know what's Mm. happening to that yet really either you know so until we've seen those in action for a while we won't be able to see how that pans out in terms of the work that the government and the home office have done so as 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 experts in in this field of kind of criminology and the relationships that this has with other fields we've we've talked about the 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 problem situation the incidents the amount the policing the different agencies involved if we go back further is there a how clear are the sort of what you might call the underlying theories that of change in this 
can why, why does it happen in the first place domestic abuse discuss in mm. in you know kind of the next the next kind of 30 hours or something um uh, and and is anybody focusing upon the interventions that prevent even um, the forms of domestic abuse that you mentioned emerging. Um, yeah, because, mean, uh, you know, the ideal thing in any problem situation would be not to create the problem and then clean it up and to deal with the victims. It would be to not have the problem. Yeah. E- easy to say, super hard, I know. It'd be yeah, a bit well, like saying, how do you stop people ever doing any kind of crime? Or do we just accept that it's inevitable? I think we don't accept it's inevitable, well, do we? Um, I mean, one of the ways has been uh, that that have already begun is um, education of uh, young men and women at school. So uh, teenage education, talking about relationships, talking about, um, you know, uh, understanding each other, you know, all of these sorts of things, I think, have opportunities to change what's going on. Mm. But... Uh, whether it how much it changes I don't know no I think um what is I mean because it's such a complex um pro- problem that I think the work that I'm doing at the moment is very much about taking a whole systems approach like looking that's why we've got all these different areas like health um criminal justice systems works for charities obviously things like education as Jackie was saying so it's trying to understand the very sort of complex nature of it um but we've I mean the way we're doing it is we're breaking it initially breaking it down into the different sort of sections, working on individual theories of change for different sort of strands, and then trying to come look at it as more as a whole system, and then looking at things like the interventions you're saying and evaluating what actually works um, and what doesn't. So, I mean, with this, the work I'm doing now is part of a five-year um, grant, which is looking at this, this whole issue of violence. Um, so it's, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll have at least make some sort of first steps towards understanding how you can reduce it yeah. but um, it's not something you can just as you say do overnight but um, by trying to understand it's not just one agency the police can't solve it alone is I think the main yeah thing. yeah and in looking across countries I mean this might be outside of areas of knowledge or expertise but is there I mean, do you in the field um, is one able to look at, at exemplar countries that have got on top of this because of culture policy intervention spending you can imagine the range of those things or do we or or is the field really one where one says this is a kind of human problem um but if you say that it starts to feel like like one's being a bit defeatist by saying well we, there's something we're going to have to live with as humans well actually that's not good enough we you know zero no. instance should be should be the target in but but how do we get to that i agree that's not good enough i mean if you my knowledge of international instance is is limited but i mean if you look at the states they have very similar problems and and percentages as yeah. we do um and they're they have obviously higher incidence in 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 areas where they have high populations and poverty, um, and multiculturalism. Yeah. You know, so there are so, and that's the same here. But we just don't have the same high rise yes. flats as they do. Well, Bessel van der um, Kolk's book, "The Body Keeps the Score," the American 
researcher into kind of interventions for abuse of all sorts over right. time has got data from the US where they've mm. tracked people so it's not just recall data mm-hmm. but it's certainly shockingly high where mm. you kind of go cracky um, but he shows that the the title of the book is the body keeps the score and the 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 traumas that many people face as adults come from yes children abuse I mean we've been talking about kind of domestic but here but we've been largely framing it in terms of adult on adult but Jackie, as you were saying, children are in that space as well, yes. directly as victims. But then they carry very often carry that forward generation, maybe they even a generation on, mm. on top of that and because of everything's kind of collapsed around them. Mm. Um, and in fact, uh, you and Katie are going to do some work on um, teenage victims of domestic violence. So teenagers on teenagers. You know, uh, under 16s, in mm. other words, mm. yeah. Because mm. the numbers are only calculated in our stats from 16. So all of that lot are missing. Right. So that all comes under the heading of child. Child stroke, protection, child stuff, child yeah. Child, yeah. Or, or just assault. So mm. um, at the moment, the legislation was changed from 18 to 16. Um, but Katie's seen some real examples in policing where, you've, where, she's, where she had a death of a 17-year-old who may well have been in that relationship before she she was 16. So at the moment, though, they don't the data isn't captured, um, and it's almost like a hidden group. Um, the the legislation has just been changed now about recognising children who are um, victims from their parents uh, as victims who are who are witness abuse, um, but the group who haven't been affected by this is those who are in teenage relationships. So Katie and I. Are looking into wow. what we can do on that right. now. It's complex. Isn't and it? another yeah. group we haven't talked about, uh, old age pensioners. You know, um, it wasn't that long ago where a man of 80 was uh, sent to prison for the murder of his wife in a domestic abuse case. Yeah, so so we, and, and each of those age and cultural groups is going to need different forms of mm-hmm. intervention and different groups of people who understand what's happening to be able to even recognise that there's a problem there very often. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, very interesting. So um, take, take us then as we come towards the end to, into the area of, of what does hope look like in this, in this field? I'm very interested in, in how hope can, can, can frame how we think about really complex mega challenges like the climate crisis or social inequality in general like domestic abuse that we're talking about here which seem also almost um insolvable um when you kind of look at the numbers and the incidents and how things are going to affect everybody uh you know because of these ripple effects um and yet we still are going to need to address them because otherwise they're going to sink us eventually um, if they aren't already doing so. so what, what, does, what, does, what does hope look like in this field to you in, in it? I mean, hopefully, well, my main hope would be that it became, um, domestic abuse became so socially unacceptable that it didn't continue that. It was called out at all levels and um, that, you know, didn't, it was no longer a problem. Um, but unfortunately, we're not at that level. But there are places where obviously um, levels are lower and so, you know, what can we learn from those communities, for example? Um, and so I think, yeah, and also I think with this book is really that we have a properly trained police force and other agencies who can actually give victims the support mm. that they need. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, the hope would be that in terms of female victims, 
um, that uh, men at all levels choose not to have the sort of banter that that means that women are um, are, are, are less are less respected and once we move beyond that then actually I can see how things will change um, so yeah but yes again I just reiterate what Ruth will say is training training for all all those who respond to mm. cases like this including um, early years education yes that's a kind of form of training yes. that we're talking about is Absolutely. letting people know what this is how you go about reporting it what happens when it happens who you can turn to exactly. and all of the above yeah and so the theory behind that is that if 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 you can get those requisite level levels of understanding and coordination between agencies and data sharing that all of that would lead to a more responsive system quicker acting more able to engage in the big cultural change that you were saying Ruth yeah, definitely. I think the fact that at the moment people, maybe two or three years before they even report something, isn't. It, it's obviously not helping victims and things are escalating. So, yeah, having that confidence to immediately stop it and put at the early stage, earlier intervention is crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Final thoughts on on the book. To recommend the book to to all everyone with an interest and a specific area of, of work expertise, policing, domestic abuse. Uh, Katie Barrow Grint is the lead author. Jackie Turton and Ruth Weir. Thank you very much indeed for coming along. Um, it's been a pleasure and uh, good luck with with uh, the work in this. And um, I think everyone will be really encouraged with uh, the idea that you can work closely with police and other agencies to change the cultures ultimately to help help people in all of this. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That was Louder Than Words. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Have a look at the website for more information and do rate the pod if you can. <laughs>